We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Ethan Clark. Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. Hello again. It's me, Steve Schwartzman. Uh, running solo yet again. We have a finals preview for you as we gear up for Sunday. But also, uh, I'm going to try this again. We have a finals preview for you gearing up for Sunday. I'm sure you're all very, very stoked for that. And you absolutely should be. But first, we've got some big news. Uh, big breaking news coming out of, at least at the time I'm reading this, this will be a couple days behind, so you'll probably have read all about it, but that's okay. Uh, the WNBA is up and growing yet again. Expansion is finally here. Uh, who knows how long fans have been asking for it. And it has been made official, and there's even some little scuttlebutt about additional expansion. I'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, but uh, very excited. Uh October 5th, officially via a release and press conference, WNBA announces they have awarded an expansion WNBA team to the California Bay Area. Uh, the NBA's, MNBA's Golden State Warriors uh, are essentially the ownership uh, organization or the the side organization that'll um, be taking on this venture. Um, that's not completely dead on like the case, but that's a part of it. There is a group of owners who will be a part of this as well. Uh, that actually makes the Warriors, uh, according to their release, the sixth team that currently ha- will have an affiliation uh, with an MNBA team. Uh, the Fever, Lynx, Liberty, Mercury, and Mystics are the others. Uh, so we'll have that piece there as it stands. Um, but yeah, um, owned and operated by the Warriors. Uh, they had a press conference uh, earlier today with their co-executive chairman, Joe Cobb and Peter Gruber. Um, seemed very excited, maybe a little too excited in some ways. And, and I only say that because we'll, maybe we'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to belabor that too heavily right at the start. Uh, but this will mark the WNBA's 13th franchise, uh, which is a piece of expansion that we haven't seen since, I believe, 2008. I could be wrong when I say that. It might be 2009, uh, when the Dream were formed. 
And as many know, this has been something that people have been clamming for for a long time. We were in a a field of make or break plus minus 144 players, 12 franchises at this point is certainly not enough homes for what has been an overwhelming amount of basketball talent that could be invested into this league. We have a lot of players come out of the college game, come from other sources throughout the world who want to play in the league, who want to put a spotlight on the WNBA, but it's it's incredibly hard. This This might be the hardest league professional sports league to find a spot in it it's that's really how pieced up it is so to be able to see some expansion is very exciting the bay area in many ways makes a lot of sense obviously with the mnba's golden state warriors uh, having very very overwhelming success as a franchise over the last several years um interest in basketball as a whole has always been there uh, when you think of that area, uh, you know, Bay Area up toward Northern California, anywhere in that region, you think Palo Alto, Stanford's women's team um, has always had strong support from fans. Um, and for good reasons, our Vanderbeer and company have put together an, a phenomenal product over there. So th- this in many ways makes a lot of sense. One thing that's going to be intriguing, uh, this will be... Uh, the expansion will be official. Uh, the team will officially be joining the league for play starting in 2025. So they will continue to build things up and organize things. And you'll hear team names and you'll hear colors and mascots and new front office and head coaches and all that stuff uh, as the time comes within the next 18 months-ish or so. Uh, and that obviously makes a lot of sense. But this also will come on top of the Bay Area being a part of expansion for the NWSL, Bay FC, uh, joining, I believe, next season um, in that league as well. So we're looking at two women's expansion teams joining in the same region at the same time. We'll make for a really intriguing discussion in many ways. We'll have to see how that plays out, but um, certainly there's a lot of positive energy and a lot of uh, energy specifically toward women's sports as, as that's considered, but We'll look forward to 2025. Um, you know, for some people who want to give the idea of, oh, let's push to 2024, I think it's pretty obvious. Building out a proper sports franchise is going to take a level of time. Um, we've seen expansions happen in that quick amount of time. Uh, and some pan out well and some don't pan out as well. Um, but especially in this case, 2024 being an Olympic year, there being an Olympic break in the middle of the season, I think it makes a lot of sense. Let's stick with what we, we have in front of us and continue this. But this is very exciting news, obviously, something that a lot of people have been looking forward to. Um, but two things that kind of were interesting to me, or at least, you know, two discussion points I want to hit on. One, uh, the ownership with uh, the Golden State Warriors seems very excited about this venture and about this journey and adding a WNBA team to the Bay area so much so that uh, one of them in the press conference already proclaimed that this new franchise will win a WNBA championship within its first five seasons. Those types of promises tend to end extremely well. Now that actually works for the Houston Comets. If you go back and listen to our W history series on the Houston Comets, you'll know that that's actually their owner at the start of of the league, made such a proclamation and it panned out in a big way. 
but it's interesting. You look at, you know, Wave FC in San Diego and over in the NHL, you have the Vegas Golden Knights. It's not a rarity for a new franchise to suddenly find success. Uh, but it seems like a, a, a interesting, bold statement that's always intriguing to me, but we'll see. Um, you know, the first thing you look at with this, when there's new franchises or new ownership to current franchises is what does the investment look like? What are the things they're talking about? What are the pieces that they're getting themselves excited about? And a lot of this is going to come down to how much are you investing in this as something that can be a powerhouse for your regional sports mix altogether? Not, you know, not a charity case, not uh, a fun project, not something to try out, but there is strong potential for this to be a needle mover for your area and at the same time will be huge in growth for, for the women's game altogether. What are you doing to show that? How are you investing in that? How are you prepared to treat professional athletes like professional athletes and market them to your public? We've seen how the Aces have done that. We've seen how the Liberty have done that. Would you be surprised to know who's in the finals this upcoming Sunday and who are able to acquire high-level talent based off of those efforts because of, of what they're building there, not just on the court, but very much in the, the communities that they represent? There's a lot to be said there, but I thought it was interesting that they jump in with this huge, give us five years, we'll have a title already. That's intriguing to me. Uh, big time guarantee, I suppose you could say. The next thing, really quick, is is you know me, and I wish Logan was here to have this conversation with me as well, because I know that this is something we would eat too much into. Uh, but there's already going to be speculation about a team name. It's like the first thing we all want to talk about. Okay, so what are we going to call this team? There was unofficial mention made, like very passive mention made, that the assumption would be with this being owned by the Golden State Warriors, this team would take on a Golden State moniker in one way. So they'd be known as the Golden State something, um, as opposed to being called Bay Area or California or San Francisco or Oakland or you know whatever you want to make it specific to. They're going to stick with that Golden State moniker, which I suppose is fine. Um, but from there, where where does the name go? Now, I just did a jot down... And a couple quick Google searches to get a feel for the Bay Area and what could really work and what couldn't. Uh, and I threw down some ideas myself. I'm going to recite those here. I really haven't put in a lot of time and I didn't have a chance to search if anyone else has generated any super cool names. So I'll say this right now. If you have a fantastic name idea, hit us on social over at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you follow us. And let us know. I'd love to hear your idea for a Bay Area team name because that'll be exciting. Um, not much competition with the NWL sales team announcement, Bay FC. They've already got that set up and good, good to go. Uh, so it didn't really take a lot of real estate out of ideas necessarily for this new franchise. Uh, but, um, a couple things came up. Some of them are going to be obvious. There's too many of them based off of animals. That seems to be always what I end up doing is, is pulling from animals. But, uh, the, the Golden State Bridges always comes up or something to do with bridge. You could say Bridgers in some way, but that really feels like um, you just want Boy Genius to buy into the team, which isn't a horrible idea at all. It's actually a really good idea in some way. But uh, the, the, you have the Bridges. I've With that come natural things like Guardians and uh, I guess Defenders. I've never liked calling a team Defenders 
you play both sides of the ball. So like why? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so there's that idea. One idea I thought would be kind of fun is the whalers. This is a specific reference to Humphrey the whale, uh, who was a special visitor, I believe in the mid eighties, early nineties in the Bay area, uh, a whale making a, a Pacific journey, making a special stop kind of became a, animal celebrity for a while so maybe you could do that there's a natural mascot there as well so i think that works in a lot of ways if you want it to this idea i also wrote down has nothing to do with uh, the name because i think the name wouldn't quite work but something to do with otters river otters are very uh specific to that area and that's like one of my two favorite animals so i don't know that you could be called the golden state river otters i'm not against that but if you could make an otter mascot, that would make my whole life career. It's really all I've ever wanted. The lions came up. That's an homage to sea lions, which are very much a, a native animal to the Bay Area. I also had thought about the Golden State Pride. Now, in the NWSL, you have the Orlando Pride. And then in this case, you could also have the Golden State Pride. And I thought this would be interesting because you could use that lioness type um, iconography in all of your branding and things like that. But this also could be a really strong callback to uh, San Francisco and the Bay Area being known as a strong bed for support and empowerment of the LGBTQ community. Um, and that goes beyond just Harvey Milk and all of that that has taken place. I think that there's an interesting nod there to something that is a very strong heartbeat within the area. So I thought the name could work in a lot of different ways. Um, the WNBA is not without its more intrinsic style names that are almost based off a concept than, than like a, a thing, like an animal or uh, a job location. Like it's, you know, we have the dream and we have the liberty and we, and obviously those have reasons and specifics, really good ones for their names, but we have a lot of that going on in the league. So I think that could work. This came up, and I thought it was really interesting, was the Thundercats. Um, I was looking up team nicknames, or city nicknames, and I saw that one of San Francisco's nicknames apparently was Thundercat City. I just saw it on a list. I have no idea what that's in reference to, and if anyone has reasons behind that, let me know. The Explorers came up. Um, that's a strong area for national parks and really cool outdoor vegetation area especially around the bridge area so the explorers was a cool one though i think a potential wnba city that i'm going to talk about in a second may want to take claim to that i saw this one on twitter and i thought it was decent but i don't know i when the wnba first kicked off there was this really interesting pattern of essentially a lot of teams basing names off of their mnba counterparts the funniest one is the utah stars who all they did was just have a team with two Zs at the end of it to be like the Jazz, I guess, in some way. But you had the Monarchs with the Kings, and there were a few other instances of that. In that note, someone brought up the Golden State Valkyries, which sounds cool off the tongue. It might work, but I also wonder if it has the same feel of like the Seattle Kraken in the NW in the NHL, which is interesting and it's a cool sounding name, but it almost sounds too superfluous just you know like is it too much of a name but it could be interesting i i think you know symbolism there's a lot of fun you could have there the gliders came up a lot which i thought was interesting and then uh one last idea based off of 
some historical significance, calling back to the California um, suffrage movement would be the Golden State Force, um, which would be an homage to Laura de Force Gordon, de Force, I'm not exactly sure on pronunciation, that's on me, uh, who was an orator and and strong motivator at the beginning of the women's suffrage movement in California in the late 1800s, early 1900s, leading up to the 1911 Prop 4 vote. So you could do something with that. I don't know. There's a lot of ideas, and I'm sure better ones will come up as time goes. That's just always a fun discussion. But I brought up additional cities uh, as I was discussing that. The reason that I bring that up is because this may not be the end of expansion in this current time. Now, this is not uh, a confirmed piece. This is not something, this is something that's still relatively speculative. But source coming out of Next Hoops, uh, Howard McDowell and Company, uh, subscribe to the Nine Newsletter, all of that stuff. They're a phenomenal source for all things women's sports uh, and especially women's basketball in particular. Uh, but they were reporting as of this morning that Portland is expected uh, or uh, is very much in strong consideration to be a second WNBA expansion team. Now, I don't believe there was any specifics made for uh time frame on that, if they would debut at the same time as this team in the Bay Area would. So if we would bring on two teams in 2025 i think a lot of people had a natural inclination that something like that would happen uh, but uh, it's been reported that discussions about portland joining the league in this round of expansion or next round of expansion have gone all the way up to the board of governors level so there have been very high level discussions this is something that a lot of uh, interest has been bandied about. Portland definitely is a hotbed for women's sports that they could jump into immediately. The NWSL, uh, the Portland Thorns in the NWSL, they have led league in fan attendance for almost every year, uh, possibly every year that the league itself has been in existence. They have been, they're consistently known for selling out events. They're very much a part of that community's discussion. Uh, they're a very much a strong pillar of the sports community within Portland in and of itself. Um, Portland's also known as a city that has very strong loyalism to their sports teams. Um, the very, you know, very high level support for uh, the Portland trailblazers on, you know, so I, I think in a way, if you were to add to this area, especially now, uh, you have a chance for people to immediately jump on it and be very loyal, you know, have a, a strong, brand loyalty to a WNBA team in Portland pretty much right away. I think people would really potentially get into it. You'd see a lot of crossover with Thorns fans and across. Now, people will make the claim, and I totally get the claim, that Portland already had a shot at this. I believe in 2000 to 2002, the Portland Fire were a thing for three seasons and then very quickly dissolved. Um, And so, or, you know, at least stop existing in Portland at that point. And so that brings to question, you know, what could be different at this time? And I think there's a much higher energy in that area, specifically towards women's sports, and also uh, lots of different and unique ways that tie well to the area that they can market this team and make it successful. So I, I do see Portland as a pretty strong 
potential discussion. I know fellow host Logan Jones is all about the idea, and I'm sure he already has like 400 different team names that he wants to to run about there. So we'll have to see uh, if this one comes immediately to fruition or not, but that's what's being reported by Howard Magdal and company over at the next. To, at the next. Um, so give them a follow. Uh, be sure to check out their webpage and, and stay in lieu to what those reports are, because if that comes true, we could be seeing more additional expansion, which is always exciting. So lots of exciting stuff happening in the league. Um, great stuff. So sound off. Let us know what you think. Are you excited to see expansion finally happening? Uh, are you excited that we're seeing this happen specifically in the Bay Area? Uh, where else are you hoping to see this play out? Because I, I don't think this is the end of our expansion discussion, even at the potential of Portland and going to 14 teams. I really could see the league getting to 16 teams before too long. And I'm curious thoughts. Where do we want to go? Do we want to head over to Toronto? Do we want to head over to Boston? Do we want to return to Houston? I want them to return to Salt Lake, but that's me. Um, Sound off, connect with us. Of course, as you know, you can connect with the show uh, anywhere uh, on social at WNBA Nation pod. Head over to WNBNation.com to connect to all of our different ventures and socials and and stay clean with us. You can all go check out our merch page, get some cool WNBA Nation digs that way. Um, and stay connected with us. If you do listen to the show anywhere that has a review system, especially on Apple Podcasts, we would love a five-star review uh, and a comment. Let us know what you love about the show and what we can do to continue to make this a great experience. As for you, if you do leave a five-star comment, uh, we will give you a shout-out and read your comment on the air, which is always fun. So connect with us that way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And with that, I'm sure this is what we've been waiting for. Let's let's talk finals. Now, here's what's interesting talking about this finals. This is definitely the matchup that everyone was anticipating. I think that a lot of people were expecting or even predicting. I'm sure just about anyone who ran some sort of season prediction had some version of this matchup in the final. You may have seen a few teams bandied about here and there. I played with the idea of sneaking different teams in there. At the end of the day, it really felt like it was going to be the Aces versus the Liberty. It was it, just the narrative seemed to want to tell that story. And many times when you go a whole season and it just feels expected, these are going to be the teams that are going to be in the championship. Uh, there could be a lot of push for, you know, you'd like to see. It's always fun to have surprises. It's always fun to see upsets. It's fun to see things go 
a little bit differently than we're used to. We just watched the first Final Four in nearly two decades without UConn. So to to have that surprise was an interesting and welcome surprise for many fans, certainly not UConn fans, and I do understand that. But in this case, uh, I think this was a, a predictable, quote-unquote predictable outcome that any fans, I mean, if you're a specific fan to a WNBA team and you wanted them in the finals, I totally get that. But I think this is one that a lot of people are excited about, and, and we're happy to actually see this come to fruition. And it's going to be, for me, I could see this being a huge turning hinge point and launch point for the the future growth of the league in general. So we've got the number one seeded Las Vegas Aces uh, kicking off the series, hosting the New York Liberty this Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC, also available on the ESPN app. Um, the Aces will host, obviously, you know how a five-game series works. They'll host one and two. We'll head over to the Liberty for game three, and then if necessary, game four. And then if necessary, we can come back to game five in Vegas. This will be fun. This is the battle of the Statues of Liberty. Uh, as I said before, I know this for certain. I know this, you know, there's no question. Don't look it up. Don't ask me for sources because you don't need it. You just need my word that this is a ser- the series is to win the Statue of Liberty from the other city. And then you get to have two of them. And that's true, and that's how that's going to work. It's just a really dumb joke, I know. I get it. This this happens when I'm talking to a monitor, and that's it. You get Statue of Liberty jokes, but there you have it. The best five series, you've got the 34 and 6 aces, the 32 and 8 Liberty. And we luckily got to see a lot of this matchup this year. Uh, five different matchups, which included the Commissioner's Cup Final. Uh, and um, given that consideration, uh, the Liberty actually have the series. They are three and two. Uh, they have the series three and two for the regular season. Um, so we can go back as long as the 29th, which was Vegas upending New York pretty easily. Uh, then there was a, quite a wait, and then we had four games in the month of August. This happened very quick. Uh, but from there, New York avenged that loss, beating Vegas uh, by a very notable 38 points. Uh, UNESCO went off. I bet Sabrina went off for 31 points in that matchup. That was a very intriguing game. Nine days later, New York uh, won by 19. And then you have to jump a whole. And that was for the, sorry, that was for the Commissioner's Cup. So the Commissioner Cup final, uh, which. Um, New York wins by 19, so they take home some rose gold statues and make some fun of that. Vegas immediately avenges that loss two days later on the 17th with a 13-point victory. Uh, Chelsea Gray dropping 22 points. This was, That was a really fun matchup. The score was not indicative of how much I liked that game. And then the 28th, um, to cap things off, the Liberty win by 9. Um, that was another good Sabrina performance. 25 points. She seems to take on some scoring load a little bit more against the aces, which is interesting to me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how these matchups have panned out when it comes to, uh, to position to position matchups, when it comes to what the teams have accomplished, when it comes to how they perform in the postseason. I'm not sure what else I can say that hasn't already been said. There is so much uh, that's already been told with the script 
You have Becky Hammond facing off against Sandy Brondello. This is the first time two former WNBA players are, bo- are you know, our head coaches, four finals participants. Sandy Brondello was a coach for Becky while she played for a short period in San Antonio. Uh, and so you have this interesting matchup with these coaches, both in their second season with their team, Brondello pairing with Sabrina in New York. They they made a playoff run last year. It wasn't entirely long lasting, but they think they had a feeling reinforcements were on the way. Becky Hammond waltzes on in and wins wins a, sh- a chip just right out the chute. Uh, you have a team looking to repeat as champions for the first time in the league in 21 years. You have to go back to 2001, 2002 with the LA Sparks. Then before that was the four peat by the Comets. Since then, we have not had a team repeat. As champions, we've had uh, some impressive runs. You have the Lynx winning four and seven. You have, you know, there's been a lot of impressive runs as far as teams winning in an amount of years, but we haven't seen a repeat champion in a long time. You have that narrative against the Liberty, who have been scratching and clawing for the past two plus decades to take in a championship. They just put out a documentary, or a documentary was just put out. About their story, they were in three of the first four finals. They were in four of the first six, I believe, as well, because I believe they were, yeah, they were huge. They were a part of uh, one of the finals against the Sparks as well. Um, and looking to finally break that egg, get that uh, proverbial animal off their back, and finally bring a championship to New York, a W championship that they could be very proud of. Uh, so the narratives are there. The the setups are there. These are super teams if super teams ever existed. You know, as far as acquisitions and things of that nature, um, you know, the, it, it really kind of kicked off. You had Candace Parker joining Vegas, of course, with her injury history. That hasn't been as much of a storyteller as other pieces. Um, but that also included Alicia Clark showing up. And making a run to sixth player of the year and being a key defender for that team. You obviously see what the Lynx or the Liberty, the Lynx, come on, what the Liberty added to the equation with John Quill Jones, with Courtney Vandersloot, and of course with now reigning MVP, uh, Bree Stewart. There's a lot to be pieced there. And that's not talking about Kelsey Plum or Chelsea Gray or Jackie Young. Or Ionescu, who I've, oh, well, I have brought up Ionescu a few times. Or so many, but Nigelani, like there's so much going on, so many big names, so many huge performances, a lot of dominant basketball, and it really comes down to this. And I look at things, and it's hard for me to get a feel for what is going to be the key pieces one way or the other. I think the first thing you can obviously look at is, is, the top of the mountain, right? The Asia versus Stewie matchup. This feels like a heavyweight bout waiting to happen. This is your WrestleMania main event. This is for all the marbles. And and these two are going to be leading the way. And I think this is going to be a series where while the talent base of these organizations spreads well, when you look at at these teams perform, you often see a really, really even spread, especially offensively. A solid point spread. You see them all looking for boards. They Both teams uh, distribute the ball very well, so you'll see a good assist count either way. Now, 
I think we've seen a lot more balloons, as I call them, like big inflations in, in performances uh, for one player, often from the Liberty. We've talked about a few performances from UNESCO. Uh, Bree Stewart has pulled that together. Um, we've seen that. That's not a stranger to Vegas either. Um, but I say all this to note that obviously there are going to be many players stepping up and making performances happen. You're going to see people <clears throat> putting in the work that they know how to put in across. This is, this is a series of 12 to 14 players who are going to contribute significantly in many ways. But uh, as much as when you have that level of talent, it helps to have a lot of talent around you to, to lean on. Asia and Stewie are going to have to show why they are two of the marquee best, uh, most dominant players in this league. Why they may very well be the two most dominant players in this league. Maybe Melissa Thomas and company aside, they very well may be uh, the faces of bas- of women's basketball at this point. And... That this is very much a time for them to to stand up to that, and I think a lot of what's going to happen in this series comes down to which of the two has a more dominant series and puts in their level of work. And obviously, both of them are extremely capable of doing that. Uh, but it's hard to tell. You know, it'll be interesting to see which side plays where. So I think that's a very intriguing matchup right out the shoot. Um, Backcourts is one that I'm always looking at intriguing because these are both very fun basketball backcourts. You know, the Vandersloot, Unescu, you have um, Young and Plum um, and even Gray. I know, like, you know, they play a little more stretch over to the three with that setup. Um, So that's one that's going to be interesting to me. You have, you know, when you look at those backcourts, one thing that really stands out that I think you almost give an advantage to is, is Courtney Vandersloot. This is someone who has championship pedigree and an experience in that note, um, has a lot of experience going deep in playoff runs and trying to, you know, make that level of things work. Plays extremely well with the stout front court, plays really well with scoring first backcourts, um, you know, as someone who could like fit into any mode. So in some ways that's a note to me that pulls in a lot and makes a lot of sense as far as that's noted and considered. But Plum stands out as well with for that same note because she plays a very high-intense and, and um, high-octane style of basketball. And because of that, it's going to be a real cardio-heavy matchup in the backcourt, and I'm interested to see how New York looks to match up to that anywhere from three to five games and and where that plays out. Front court matchups are going to be extremely interesting. Um, there's, I know ESPN put out a preview and they talked about how an X factor or secret weapon for one side is John Quell Jones. Um, how, you know, John Quell has definitely been a player who um, really has that standout ability where if there's one star player in this mix up that may not have a direct like matchup on the other side, it could be John Quell. There's a, large amount of players with the aces that I think could defend well and disrupt Jones in that way. But she has the potential to have just enough wiggle room to present in that case. And the last few years with WNBA champions, that's kind of been the player that stood out 
who's the one you don't immediately have an answer for, or you're not exactly sure how you can stymie the momentum they're bringing. You think about Emma Mieseman in 2019. You think about Chelsea Gray last year. Who are those players that make that stand up? And Jones has the potential to do that. And her performance, especially closing out the semifinal against Connecticut, was a huge example of that. This was someone who was constantly physically frustrating opposing front courts, finding ways to disrupt an offense, getting rebounds at, at every possible angle, um, and, and making connections happen across that also distributing well being able to be mindful of open looks and and where scoring opportunities can happen John Quill Jones has the potential to be a strong standout as far as that can be considered um so yeah we've talked about how the backcourt's there we've talked about the potential of um you know what star power can be brought into this. There's really a lot that you could bandy about as far as things are considered. Um, the other side of things, I mean, is home court going to be a huge boon as far as this is considered? The Liberty have already given up a home game. They lost game one of the semifinal to Connecticut. They've since been clean pretty easily up to that point. Um, but do they have the ability to beat Vegas on the road? And that's not an easy victory. That's a That's been an extremely difficult get for teams in the league throughout this entire run. And a lot of it is going, a lot. you know, that could play an extremely large role. There's just a lot <clears throat> to play here. So I feel like predicting this final is such... It's insanity in a lot of ways. Like, how do you possibly, um, how do you possibly find an analytical way to make this decision? And that's what's interesting to me. Um, and so, as I look at things, I th I really think of what is the differential here. I think an advantage, the the main advantage for the Liberty. We talked about John Quill Jones, but I think it's they have individual players who can put on streak performances and empowering performances on the snap of a finger. At any moment, Sabrina Ionescu could be the hero of the series. At any moment, Courtney Vandersloot could be the hero of the series. Marie Giannis uh, could be a hero of the series. There's a lot of different ways you could split things up, but Nigel Laney uh, could absolutely put in a strong performance. There's a lot of differentials that make that happen. This is obviously a team <clears throat> packed with talent who can very much lean on each other to put that in. What you have in Vegas and what to me is a huge advantage for them is they are a well-oiled machine completely. They were heading into the 2022 finals and it almost feels like they've nary skipped a beat coming into this final. Do you get some sort of, what would you call it, battle fatigue or something like that after, you know, two finals runs in a row? I suppose that's possible. There is a lot of off-court story and speculation uh, in regard to Derek Hamby and, and other pieces that 
are being discussed and being known? Is that something that's going to weigh on their minds um, on top of that? And while that issue specifically, there's a lot bigger things at play than basketball themselves, uh, and there's more important things that need to be discussed there, those types of things, you always wonder if that's something that could mess that. And then I think the other big... Um, change up with the Aces, of course, is, is they were expecting to have Hall, future Hall of Famer MVP and multiple-time champion Candace Parker a part of this roster. <clears throat> and that didn't quite work out as planned. So does that change things up or is kind of molding back into the equation that worked for you a year ago help push this forward for you? And that's where it's interesting, as I think you have very much a machine. The Aces remind me of like a well, like the most well-coached college teams you've watched. They remind me of an unbeatable UConn, South Carolina, Tennessee type team who um, plays at a high level, who work together, who uh, the, the way they play and their strategy comes so effortlessly to each of them. Um, and they have uh, an all-world coach there to push it along, uh, and that's where that's where their advantage comes from. Is is they have those miles and they have a lot of that strapped together. <clears throat> so it's an intriguing thing. You're very. This is very much a battle of the titans in a lot of ways, and you know the aces have essentially swept their way through this their two series to get to this final. The Liberty have had a little bit more of a competitive angle. Um, you know, beating Connecticut is a huge test. Beating them in a best-of-five series. Uh, does that play interestingly at all? New York has taken home a good amount of high-potent hardware. You have the MVP. You have the Commissioner's Cup champion. Is that a confidence boon for New York? Is that whiteboard material for Vegas? Now, obviously, Vegas has a six-player-of-the-year award. You know, there's it's, it's just not like they're without their accolades in any way, uh, shape, or form. And that's where this plays interesting to me. I'm going to go with my gut. You can see how hard this one is for me. I've never had a harder time predicting a playoff series ever. Often because I'm usually wrong, let's be real. The way I predicted the last two series was way off. I had one go in five games, I had one go into a sweep, and I had them swapped. Um, and the one didn't even go 5 one, four. <clears throat> I, hmm. Off the top of my brain... I feel like New York hit their peak point and their peak level at the end of the season a little bit harder than, than Vegas has. Um, and that's a narrow margin, all things considered. The main thing that's holding me, I think about New York, and I think, do they have the ability to pull together an upset? Can they win one of these two games on the road and... Because that you know that's going to have to happen. They need to win a game on the road to make this series happen. 
And I'm going to say... I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, I really want to, uh, to believe that. Now, now I know that there's other hosts that have uh, the Liberty marked in here um, and have as a potential, uh, you could call it an upset, but it's the two seed. But, you know, they, they have New York taking this one home. I'm leaning toward the aces in this one. I'm actually going to take Vegas. And I know you just heard me sit in silence a bunch. Um, I just feel like position to position, they match up really well. I feel like both teams have kind of a secret weapon style player. There's John Quill Jones. And I think in Vegas, it's Chelsea gray. And I feel a little more confident, uh, a tad more confident in what Chelsea gray is going to put together there. And I just think this is a dynasty type team. And it's been over two decades since we've seen a team, who has put in multiple dominant performances and won multiple championships in a row. And the aces have that in them. This is not even close to the end of the road for New York. They're going to be on this stage and they're going to be on that podium. It could be as early as next season. Uh, But I'm going to, I'm going to say aces win this one in five. Uh, And either way, it's going to be a fun as hell basketball series because it could go a lot of different directions. So you're in for it. So again, this Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern on ABC, the WNBA Finals. It's going to be exciting. As we lead up to that, feel free to reach out to the show. Comment. Let us know. Do you agree with any of these predictions or this analysis? Do you disagree with anything? Uh, do you have any other strong feelings? Any other additional analysis? What's going to make this interesting? What are you most excited for for this very explosive finals matchup? I'm excited to see it. We are we are that much closer to crowning a WNBA champion. We're that much closer to adding a 13th and possibly a 14th team to the league. We're about to start uh, a college basketball campaign that is going to be as exciting as anything we've seen on television. Women's basketball is so freaking alive. It's insane. Uh, if you're not on the train yet, there is room, but you better hop on soon. I'm very excited to see it all, and we are so grateful to have you along uh, to enjoy this ride with us. But until all of that, I am Steve Schwartzman, and we got you next time. Yo, I'll see you in the lobby later. You tell me.